we can start again. What's after breakfast? What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch. Hi, Barbie. There you go. Hi, Barbie. My mom joined Twitter today. You mean X? Yeah. I do, mm-hmm. as of today. Why did she? Does I, she like Elon Musk? I don't know what. My dad joined a few years ago. He got blocked immediately. I'm letting my mom roam free. <laughs> what, like, did she, what did your dad say to get blocked? He oh, I by blocked you. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was like, you don't need no, to okay. know my Twitter from Twitter. I know. I was like, he must have said something really fucked they up. They did change it that you can't like view tweets without having an account. Are like not easily, so <gasps> that might so be my why. mom was yeah. maybe stalking me this whole time, possibly judging me, not understanding jokes. She's a mother. Like what else? I don't know. What else do moms do? do? I, don't I don't know. I asked. I told her for my birthday this year, all I want is a painting that she makes. I, I gave her plenty of running time because mm-hmm. she used to paint all the time. She was mm-hmm. really good at it, and I'm like, just do that. Quit like quit trying to clean everything all the time. Like do something creative. So I told her that's all I wanted, and I will now be taking bets as to whether or not that happens. Aww. I'm gonna bet no. I'm gonna bet the same. I'm gonna bet yes because I have faith in her. I think she can do it. That's if sweet. she's listening. Haley has she's faith not. in Linda. She doesn't know what a podcast is. Well, she figured out what Twitter was. <laughs> yeah, when this it was the next not step. Twitter, <laughs> she waited for it to not be Twitter. <laughs> like that's once this point. is a once podcasts enter a new like vidcast or whatever. Yeah is next mm-hmm. why then <laughs> welcome to why welcome to our why Mm-mm. i don't like that i like it but i'm saying it w-h-y in my head sure i'm welcome saying it why is in the letter yeah that's been my big news of the day that and the after party season two is so good i don't know what that is i don't know what that is either the after party was it's apple plus whatever yeah apple tv and last year they came out with a season that was it's all about this party that happens after a thing right so last oh, year oh i know what you're talking about yeah and it's like it's, it's like, a different vignette every it's time. like jokey jokey knives out yeah and it's got ugh, tiffany haddish sam yes. richardson yes sam richardson i adore love him. him he's in season two yeah okay Mwah. i love him so much the casting for season two I mean, both seasons, but the casting is amazing. Yeah. And I started it this morning. I'm going to have to rewatch it because I was also writing my story for today. <sighs> mm-hmm. Okay. I wrote my story this morning. I did it half and half, but I didn't. I underestimated how much was left <laughs> this morning. Um, but it's just delicious. It's it's amazing. I'm going to check watch it out. It. If you did you ever watch Veep? Yeah. Okay, that's where I first like got into Sam Richardson because he's so fucking funny in that. He's so well. I mean, Veep is so funny and so mean. It's the best. It is. It's too good. I need to rewatch it. Mm. Me too. I think I watched the first couple seasons of it and then I stopped for some reason. It just gets better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. This is I consume most media through TikTok now, and now there's constant clips Mm -hmm. of Veep, and I'm like, I haven't. I've watched this show, but I obviously haven't watched all of it. Okay. I also watched half of uh, Shawshank Redemption on TikTok. Dude, I watched <laughs> three minutes. I, like I I really did watch like the majority of Gone with the Wind in like yeah. minute and a half long segments yeah. over two months. Yeah, just like I will. You know, I, I I like this scene. I like I'll this watch the scene. scene. And then you're like, I I just watched this entire movie. Yeah. yeah. I, 
So what is the site? Like, how does that happen where it's like a now we're all going to post this movie? It's usually one show. account and they they clip out, you know, an important part of the movie and then it gets traction and then they kind of fill in from there and they usually don't do it all at once. So say they start the Shawshank Redemption with Andy Dufresne, like actually like getting through the wall and getting Today out. Today I saw, I saw yeah. Shawshank and it was the part where he's dropping the dirt from yeah. out of his pants yeah. and it's like god i love this movie i know i'm gonna go in and watch <laughs> that's a couple exactly other what i did so it. it's just like this is my most favorite badass scene of this movie. no it's somebody who's it's they're farming straight for straight up only you just scroll onto it and it's like sometimes there's the movie there's the movie and then somebody cutting uh play-doh underneath <laughs> yeah it's the yeah. half half, half screen. the screen it's the add screen yeah yeah I'm, you really need to get on TikTok to understand this. Because, yeah. yeah, half of the screen will be someone, like, making eggs or something weird Some like five-minute craft thing that's just kind of colorful and distracting yeah. enough. But and then the other have... side is, like, the best scene of so Shawshank Redemption. It, yeah. It's, like, what I do at home. Yes, exactly. It's you're playing mm-hmm. on your phone and also watching a movie at the same time, but it's all I'm crocheting and also watching mm-hmm. a movie. But I'm here's... writing a story and also yeah. writing mm-hmm. and watching it. Okay. So I can be watching soccer on TV and watching both Shawshank Redemption <laughs> and somebody <laughs> cooking a yes. casserole at yes. the same time. Oh, it's... they're giving you more oh my god it's horrible we haven't gotten to three screens on that yet we it's only the the split screen that i've seen but it's gonna it's coming it's coming well i feel like you could have you kind of do have that with like a split screen and then someone like using it as a green screen and then they're like watching watching it it, with you (laughs) watching it with you so they're they're making reactions to like Maybe a little side, side yeah. either part of the so video. it's now a collective experience because yeah. you're doing it and then you and then sometimes you get bored of that and you go in and you read the comments at the same time yep our oh brains are absolutely God. destroyed the fact that they i could are. sit through an entire hour 90 minute movie maybe right. uh watching barbie is i'm very impressed with myself i'm still amazed that i didn't even get up to pee during oppenheimer I didn't either. Did you just did you purposely dehydrate yourself? Before? No, Lisa I was chugging water. Lisa drank so <laughs> many waters at Oppenheimer. I did. She kept. I was like, God, she's like running I, this guy for waters. Like, yeah. I noticed it because she got so many waters, oh and because the girl that was like oh, another God. seat down from her, we shared kept a table, getting up and going to the bathroom. Oh, and she was not oh, the that one that one. was right next to you, but there was one. And I noticed her immediately because when we were waiting for the movie to start, she immediately started complaining to her boyfriend about how big the seats at the draft house were. And I was like, in a way of like, I'm so little. No, no, no. Like she was like, are these like airline flights or something? But the woman herself was like a hundred pounds. She was tiny. And I wanted to be like, these seats are the normal sized seats for the draft house. Like what? Even normal movie theaters, they have like bigger seats. Yeah. It, it was fine. So she complained about that. She was just very dumb. And then she got up. I it had to be at least like 10 times throughout the movie. I was like, this girl I know is it's a drugs. long movie, but like this girl is, is she drugs. going to take smoke breaks? She has to Dad be doing do something like that. Yeah. Cause it was, it was too much. Maybe she just wasn't into it. And was like, Oh, she was definitely too dumb to be at that movie. Yeah. She shouldn't have been there. She like ordered something to go. It seems like finally <laughs> like 45 minutes into the movie. <laughs> I mean, there was still two yeah, out of love. Yeah, it was pretty, it was like the last third of the movie, but then she like 
kept raising a thing to talk to the yeah, waiter to, talk to, to make sure they got the right order. And I'm like, this isn't, you don't actually come here for the food. No. Yeah, the fact that the food is even edible is like a new thing in the last five years yeah. at this place. Yeah. It was bananas. But yeah, I did chug a ton of water. I've always been like is that. Killian Murphy just making you thirsty. No, like if it's you so dry put me in a place where somebody <laughs> will bring me water and a straw, I will just down it oh. until there's no more or until I pee. You just piss yourself in mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. Yeah. It's too good. I can't Might leave. As well. I'm still not convinced I'm ever going to watch that movie. It's good. I'm, I'm sure it is. Like I have no doubt. You know what? You know when I'm going to watch it? Somebody gets it up on yeah, TikTok. It, you're gonna you're gonna, gonna take see me six days. So many <laughs> you're gonna see a scene, and it's yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, it's I I really enjoyed it. I'd watch it again right now. I would too. I, it's one of those movies. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but John, your comfort and I movie made, being Whiplash. My we've comfort about movie isn't Whiplash. It's Spotlight. Spotlight. Get it? Sorry. Right. They came out kind of at the same time. They did. And I have not seen either of those movies. Spotlight is, or Whiplash no, is also good. Yeah. But Spotlight is my comfort movie. But that's the thing is that John and I kind of realized that the movies that are our favorite movies are movies where people are just really good at doing their jobs, which is Spotlight. Yeah. They're like the best investigative journalism team and yeah. it it's I guess rewarded would be the wrong word at the yeah. end, but the, they got the rewarded story, with nine eleven. Well, no, that's <laughs> halfway through. Congratulations, terrorism. Um, Spotlight isn't about nine eleven. I no, again, I've Just never seen derailed it. by nine yes. eleven. If you, <laughs> I like think how about defensive it. you got about it. Like, like it's wow, not about what? that. It's not about that, it's and about they didn't the get to post it because Catholic of it. Don't, system don't and the bring up systematic 9/11. repression yes. of sexual assault victims yeah. and predators in the priesthood also and Sinead O'Connor died not in spotlight no but she knew what was going on because it happened to her yeah um, not with the pope not with the pope but actually I don't know I wasn't there yeah it's true I believe Who's women to say yeah. but yeah movies where people are good at their jobs Oppenheimer yeah great The Martian another example um Barbie Moneyball Barbie's great at her job all of them well I wouldn't put Barbie into that category, but I think there are other movies out there that are, you wouldn't necessarily think it's like them being good at their job, but it is. Legally Blonde. Yes. I yes. think Legally Blonde, she puts her mind her to it and she does it and she does it well. And then in the end, I've been, she saves her client privilege and saves the day. I've been using some Elle Woods shit in mm-hmm. my, my brain. Good. Doing the what like it's hard yeah to like pretty much everything and yeah it's been pretty successful it's a way to pump yourself up. yeah go elwood we should all be so elwoodsy yeah. trying to think of more good at your job good movies. at your job movies i mean it's be it would be kind of like even uh white men can't jump i would mm-hmm. say that they were good at not jumping Vinny. Like when Marissa Tomei goes off and you find out that, you know, Joe Pesci is actually a really good lawyer. Like it's that type of thing. Yeah. But there's a subversion associated with that. Like the fact that Elle Woods is a good lawyer, even though she's pretty and went to school for history of fashion or whatever. Exactly. Um, And the same thing with Marissa Tomei knowing a bunch about cars, like Mm -hmm. a woman knowing about cars. Rosie Perez and White Man Can't Jump. Yep. With her trivia and then getting on Jeopardy. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, Wesley Snipes and...
being actually good basketball players. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Could you imagine? Woody did when you said That's it and funny. it was horrific yeah. in my mind i'm sorry i uttered his name on this podcast. <laughs> beep it out i mean you can also oh, put oh, the godfather I, I in again. there yeah. good at crime good at yeah. crime yeah i mean there's lots of good at crime ones those are fun they're like gone in 60 seconds great at stealing cars yeah love that fucking I movie i fucking love that movie it's too. so good i love it <laughs> i remember seeing it on tv and being like I never saw this in the theater because yeah. it was like, why would I go see this in high school? Yeah. Yeah. And it was so fucking good. Anyways, any of like Mission Impossible, that type of shit. All yeah. of it is like good at, good at your job movies. Y'all want to do story? You want to do stories? Um, sure. I just realized that our microphone things match our outfits. Yours is blue. Mine is oh. black and yours is orange. And then oh. it's a different orange, but still orange. I am in a sun vibe over here. Sunny vibe. A sunny vibe. Yeah. I I guess, yeah, I didn't even think about this. I had to change Haley's microphone because it was doing the, like, wobbly thing. Wobble with it, wobble yeah, with I it. I just, we need to get a new mic. That one's got some something going on with it. Don't, ew, her. <laughs> Do you see her in the discard don't box? I don't look at her. She can fucking hear us. <laughs> How dare she show it up? It is. She knows what she did. Oh, I'm just going to stay in my box. I tried. I was like, maybe she's working this time. Maybe something. And I unscrewed her. No, she's not good at her job. No, she's not so good at her job. So she's her. done. She is done. <laughs> she's going to Tubi because she's not good at her job. Yeah. That's where all the not good at your job. Oh, okay. Go. What's I the, believe you. What was the one? Quibi. The uh, one that oh, failed. Yeah. Tubi still makes lots of people happy, I think. The, yeah. Yeah. You watch a lot of like yeah. Sister Act is on like that's the kind of stuff that's on there. I see it up Sister there. Sister Act didn't know she would be good at her job didn't as know. a nun. As a nun she or a know. music teacher. Yes, but she was good at music, so she took that and made it in the same Yeah, That is also a movie job. that I've seen almost in its entirety on TikTok yes. recently. Specifically when they're first singing to the church. After the yeah, never seen. Oh, it's so good. It's what we've talked about before. It's one of those movies that was just always on on weekend during the day on like the WB. And so when I'm like hanging out in my room, like, oh, watch Sister Act. Yeah, again, and Sister Act too. Yeah, they're both the one with Lauren Hill. Well, who wants to go first? I can, if y'all want. Sure, is it your story about somebody who's good at their job? Actually, yes. Oh and God, it has love to do with music. Yay. So. Go, Whitney. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> in. God. Y'all sound insane to me. I just want you to <laughs> it's know okay. That. That's part of the appeal. Because we brain connected? Because I have not seen this film. Yeah, it's just and y'all are just I mean, we didn't actually sing in Latin, but no, we, we knew uh, Domi We made the intonation in there. Some, Pretty sure you just some summoned point. a demon. Okay. I, I would never. I would. I would, mm-hmm. depending you on the demon. You would not summon a demon. Depending on the demon. Bullshit. Yeah. You were just talking about. That's So that's close practice. I agree, shit. but like demon shit is no. the part that literally scares no. me. Because of your construct of what demonology is. Yes. You have a Judeo-Christian view of what demons are. I what would not you? blindly fuck with them. No. But I would support Lightly someone. fuck with them. Fuck with them. <laughs> fucking like with one eye. I mean, I would want to do a lot of research before I yeah. called one. Everything like that is just, a, it's a construct. It's, it's not real unless you believe in it. 
So you use your belief as a tool in which to invoke the thing that can serve what you need in that moment. To invoke the calling of the blood. Sure. If that's, if you, if you worship a triune God, sure. But that was from our favorite, um, Oh God, Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, okay. oh God, that's a, oh. also a movie I feel like was on TV pretty often. Not the original Love Blues Brothers, movie. Blues Brothers 2000. Yes, but yeah, no, don't fuck around with demons unless you know what you're doing. But it's because whatever you do poorly, you're actually just doing to yourself. Yeah, I, and also okay. don't fuck with things that are close practices because that's none of your business. I I agree, Whitney. But also, I'm not summoning <laughs> shit. I do not want to summon. Okay. Other than summon the energy of Elwood. Okay. Okay. And people who are good. Well, and that's my approach to demonology is what? Like it's hard. Yeah. Okay. So you're just doing it (laughs) out of spite, which also kind of, which some demons goes along with my shit. Yeah. So. Depends on how good the demon is at their job, Mm -hmm. you know? That's true too. Find one that's really good at doing their job. Yeah. Okay. There's a long tradition of songs that sound like another language without actually meaning anything. So in Italy, for example, beginning in the 1950s, American songs, films, jingles inspired a diverse range of American sounding cultural products, right? After World War II, American culture starts to infiltrate Italy and many parts of Europe. The phenomenon is especially strong in Italy because of American troops arriving in Rome in 1944, which also marked the country's liberation from fascism. Mm -hmm. Fascism is bad, just full statement. Yes. Not even if you're good at your job, you're bad at your job. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a fascist. Americanization was what they were calling it. And it's captured in films like 1954's An American in Rome, in which an Italian actor plays a young Roman who's obsessed with the U.S. It also shows up in pop songs uh, between 1958 and kind of just on from there. And Italian singers were incorporating a lot of American sounds into their music and American words. And we still do that today. Like blending I think about Despacito or something like it's half in Mm -hmm. Spanish half in American and then is popular in both countries and it's like doubling your money basically that U2 song that goes yeah naturally um but you know but it's like k-pop they'll drop in american like little clips like the mall yeah fun (laughs) words right (laughs) (laughs) the mall and then back into and you're like we go to the mall Mm -hmm. and then like i was saying one way they do this is using intermittent english words uh with a preference of trendy terms when Americanization was happening. The most notable example of it was a song called Tu Vuo Fa L'Americano, which means you want to be American. It's in 1956 and it's a song about a guy trying to impress a girl and they drop the English words baseball, rock and roll, and whiskey soda. Baseball. Rock and roll and a whiskey soda. Um, what else do you need? Like, honestly, those are the most American words yeah. I can think of. So they don't only sound American. They also evoke 
an aspirational view of the American lifestyle. Like this is what we do. We just watch baseball, listen to rock and roll. Drink whiskey sodas. And drink whiskey sodas, which isn't far off. Other songs alternate between both of the languages like we were talking about also. The songs hung half Italian, half in English. And we were doing that over here too. Mm -hmm. Like that's amore. Come on. How could you not? Yeah, pizza pie. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's... (laughs) I think pie though is mm. is pie yeah, it's the American. It's the blending. It's the blending. You're right. Okay. It's pie. But, but, <laughs> thank you, Mario. Um, <laughs> it's nice to just say. So. Similarly, in the 1960s, there were there is a trend of bands in England singing in Italian, but with really strong English accents, which sounds awful to yeah. me. Like I don't want to fucking listen to that. I just don't want to listen to British people. But these hybrid sounds, <laughs> the hybrid songs and sounds are what Italians at the time are like really responding to. According to Francesco Chiabattoni, who, uh, I, that's <laughs> what it said, is. Francesco pizza pie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Teaches Italian culture at Georgetown University. Um, can I moratorium pizza pie? <laughs> pizza pie. I'm sorry, I feel like it's very apropos, but whatever. It's it working. It's apropos. It's apropos. <laughs> the Ital- the Anglo Italiano. No, it was just Anglo Italian. You're you're Italian Italiano. Italiano. Yeah, pop genre grew from Italy's collective interest in America as well as the British invasion of the 60s. Quote, I'm not sure how much thinking they put into it, but producers of music must have realized that imitating English and American sounds would sell more in Italy. So linguistics also probably played a role. Quote, the phonetic structure of English makes it more suited to rock or pop songs when compared with Italian. Rock or pop music is often arranged in a common time, a rhythmic pattern made of four beats with an emphasis on the second and the fourth. And when I hear that, I think of like Seven Nation Army, like boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, ba, dee, Like it's very, mm-hmm. so much of our music is like that. So much of the music from the 60s is like that. Yeah. Like yeah. from drum London bass. area. Type. Yeah. yeah. So the pattern goes very well with the English language, which is mostly made of short monosyllabic words that can easily be arranged in four beats. But in Italian words, most of their it's their words are just longer only about two percent of the most used words in italian are monosyllabic which is kind of wild to think about like so many american words are just like yeah short single syllable words i immediately think about um attenzione pickpocket attenzione pickpocket attenzione perescochi i can't even say that oh you don't even know what this is God, you're missing TikTok. out on TikTok. Our song, so for example, when it comes to that monosyllabic stuff, Tracy Chapman's You Got a Fast Car, yeah. right? Translates to Tu hai una macchina veloce, which... Too much. It's just, it's a lot of word sounds. Yeah. A lot of syllables. So singing pop music or rock music in English is easier mm-hmm. than in Italian. That isn't to say there isn't a wide range of popular 
like pop music sung in Italian. It's doable, but like the way that people were hearing it at the time and as it's traveling over, very English, very British. And that's when my hero of the day comes in. Adriano Celentano. He's an Italian musician, singer, composer, actor, filmmaker, dubbed Il Mulgiato, which means the springy one because of his dancing. It sounds better in Italian because it sounds fancier when you say it in English. The springy one. He's just very bouncy like in his performance. Mm. He released 40 albums around over his life. He's still alive. He's released 40 albums, sold over 100 million, 150 million records worldwide and is the second best-selling Italian musical artist. So the first one is a girl named Mina and the like best-selling album of all time is one they did together. Oh, that's So funny. like they're right they're Shelley. like first and second yeah. basically. She um, wouldn't be there without him kind of thing maybe. Mm, I don't want to discount this woman. I don't know. Yeah, Haley, geez. Well, the way that you tied them together made me think. She's got some cool music too. Yeah. I listened to a little bit of it. She's so, just not as good at it. Yeah. I think she is. Because of her boobs. <laughs> That's true. You get in the way of the music coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he is considered a pillar of Italian music. Celentano is recognized for being particularly perceptive of changes in the music business and is credited for having introduced rock and roll to Italy. He's also starred in 39 films and comedies. So this he's like one of the the most famous Italian musicians of all time. Born in 1938 in Milan, he was a watchmaker until he was debuted as an artist in 1959 around age 20. At the time, he was heavily influenced by Elvis and Jerry Lewis, and he loved 1950s like rock and roll American scene. He starts playing in his own Italian rock and roll band and gets discovered by Jolly Records and A&R executive. And I know A&R. I can't remember what from. Anyways, so they get some early hits. And he appears in an Italian musical in 1959. He's just, you know, he's getting more famous. He's cast as a rock and roll singer in La Dolce Vita. In 1962, he founds his own record label called Clan Celentano, which is still active today. He was born in 38. Yeah. So in 1959, he's around 20. And so by 62, he's still in his early 20s. Yeah, he's he's people like him, man. And he's like tall and cute. I'll I'll show you all a little bit. I love that. Mm -hmm. So by the 60s, he's already one of the most popular rock musicians in Italy. His artistic persona was characterized by loud lyrics and an, an elegant body movement. In elegant, okay. So he's lanky. He's the springy one. He's lanky. He's springy. You know, Elvis, I would say, wouldn't be an elegant dancer. He was like, but it was like mm, sexual, like gyrating, kind of like lots of bouncing and movement. Gotcha. Lead with your hips, Mm -hmm. bossy. It's all in the hips, Billy Madison. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) and Chubbs. Sorry, I was happy Happy Gilmore. I know I was gonna get it or wasn't, and I didn't. (laughs) I was gonna get it or I wasn't, and I didn't. So he's described as having a bit of Elvis, a bit of Jerry Lewis, and a bit of folk singer in him. He's seeing the music industry and he's seeing all this stuff about how American language is like infiltrating Italian. 
It's hard to write a pop Italian song. Like everything that's topping the charts is it's American hits. And he's like, mostly, I think personally, I think it was a lot out of spite, but also to prove that he could do this, he decides he's going to write his own American rock song. And it's called, yes, hold on. Give it to me. I've, I've practiced saying this, but I want to fucking get it right also. How crazy did you drive John while you were practicing? I wasn't saying, saying it out loud. I was saying it in my head, but <laughs> prison colon. Oh, wait. God damn it. Prison colon and sin Cusco. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. What so, does that stand for? Pre- car? And I can say it better after we, after I end up playing some of it. If you say it musically, yeah, it's it a lot easier out, to say. It's hard to like yeah. read it out. The song described as varying in music genres, including Europop, house music, disco, hip hop, funk, rock, all of that. But Celentano didn't have any of those styles in mind when he wrote the song. He created it by creating a loop of four drum beats like the Americans do and looping it and then improvising lyrics over the top of the loop in a recording studio. Improvising them. Yeah. And then after he recorded it, he went and like got uh, an orchestra or something to record more stuff on it. And it's like a freestyle flow with a chanting chorus. And some people like to say that it's one of the first hip hop songs, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. I don't hear it in that way. I won't give the Italians that. And I, yeah. I refuse. The song is intended to sound to its Italian audience as if it is sung in English and spoken with an American accent. So let's listen to it. The way this song has fully taken over my my brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He also looks like Al Pacino and Jason Schwartzman mix. This is hot. Oh, this is his wife, who is also very hot and famous. Anyway, okay. That, that is a 
famous. It's like a Bobby Carnival that got melted. (laughs) I love him. Hmm. Anyway, so none of those are English words. Correct. He improvised all of them. It's gibberish. It is how he thinks Italian people hear the American language. And that's what he did. And so the song, when it initially came out, it wasn't, it came out at like the end of 1972. Let me catch up. I was going to ask if it was before or after Greece. Then it would be before Before. Greece. Yeah. But it, because there were like, so what people listening didn't see is that the whole like gimmick was, there, he was, he's like a teacher mm-hmm. in a classroom, yeah. and so all of the students are sitting there and dancing along. Listening. And I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're like in their English class, is yeah. what I imagine. Yeah. He's the professor, and they're in the English class. He's deep. He is. Uh, so it is intended to sound English to an Italian audience. Celentano. His intention was not to create a humorous novelty song, but to explore communication barriers. The intent was to demonstrate that English, how English sounds to people who do not understand the language proficiently. Quote, ever since I started singing, I was very influenced by American music and everything Americans did. So at that point, because I like American slang, which for a singer is much easier to sing than Italian, I thought I would write a song which would only have as its theme the inability to communicate. And to do this, I had to write a song where the lyrics didn't mean anything. It's interesting to listen to because knowing that it's supposed to be English, like there's words that you have here in mm-hmm. it. You're like, is that but like, all right. Like, they'll say all right. And mm-hmm. like, I, and yeah, yeah. Kind of like, uh, like as punctuation mm-hmm. almost, but even when he's doing like what would be considered a verse, there's parts of it. It's like, that's almost, yeah, that's almost a word. Right. Like, and the way he's like spell saying it out, like, is like very English. I guess sounding. that's the the rap, the hip hop sound yeah, of it that it's like maybe. spoke speak to me, singing. That sound but like no, it doesn't sound like at that all. to me either. I, yeah, I still won't give it to him. I'm I won't either. So the track is released as a single at, in November of 1972 and is like me doesn't do great. But then later in 73 he goes on to perform it on two TV shows. We watched one of mm-hmm. them and that is with his wife Claudia. Uh, and the other one is like this black and white one. And it's also just as intriguing. There's like a ton of dancers and this like it's ugh, so fucking cool. But it like after those two TV performances come out, it tops the charts in Italy, in the Netherlands, all over Europe. It supposedly reached like number 82 or 86 in the U.S. Oh, damn. Still pretty big deal. So a woman who is like a professor of romance languages and literature said when I first heard Celitano's song I was very impressed by its Americanness. it notably emphasizes the American nasal mumbling drawl drawn out sort of sound which is distinct from the clean clips of British English or melodic Italian oh, fuck you I well yeah it's like are we that na- I feel we like are. British people are more nasally than mm. we are. They sound like this. <laughs> they only started sounding like that because they didn't want to sound like us anymore. Good. I don't want them to sound like us. They're jealous. 
So the word All right. All right. And he did say he said all right is the only word in the song that he was like this is an English yeah, song. But yeah. the rest of it is just him gibberishing. It was popular then fell off and was rediscovered in the beginning of YouTube stuff in the early 2000s by somebody called Bing Boing Boing. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a popular YouTube channel uh, that described the song as one of the most bizarre videos found on the Internet. Mm. Uh, I, I disagree. That. Yeah. What well. year was that? Have you ever been to Rotten.com yeah. in the early 2000s? Yeah, it's early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and then it, it since then, it just kind of comes back every couple years or so. Yeah. NPR did an interview with Celotano in 2012, which is where a lot of those quotes are from. And um, yeah, he it's just like it's not even in his top 10 songs on Spotify. And Damn. I can't stop listening to it it was featured in white lotus season two most recently oh yeah you're right and is in an episode of ted lasso and both of those times i didn't recognize it i saw it i ended up seeing a tiktok about it and i was like this song slaps if you will i will and now i'm feel like it's gonna be something i excuse me well notice because i know the song now but the hardest part is talking about it yeah because you can't when yeah, I listen, yeah. when I listen to dun, the song, dun, like dun, I watched dun, the performance, I was dun, like, dun. "Oh, I can say this yeah. easy," but it can only be sung. But f- faded out, yeah. Prison, yeah. and No, I didn't get it right. That's All right. Oh, I was like, that is All easier right. if you sing it. It is. It's a lot easier if you sing it. But anyways, listen to that song. Go listen to Italian rock from that time yeah. too. Yeah, it's very catchy and fun, and that's my story. Awesome. Good job. Okay. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. All right. I'm, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm just a sucker for that hard yeah, beat. Like I am too. Anything with that or like a military beat. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da, like da. a driving yeah. beat. Yeah. Just yeah. like something You literally really can intense. like nod along to yeah. it. It's almost like hypnotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Uh... Yeah, we were talking about Oppenheimer earlier. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Loved it too. You loved it. You haven't seen it. I haven't Might seen not. It. No. Um, but I did the whole time. I was kind of like, something's missing. There's something missing from this movie. There was male nudity in it, right? Maybe a I butt. Mean, <laughs> I don't know if you see silly Killian Murphy's butt. I don't you know. see, but it the way they did the nudity, it's like very art yeah casual like these people are naked yeah boring definitely not gonna see you i know. mean there is a There's sex one scene that's less casual that's like it's someone imagining it kind of happening in front of them and it's it's pretty like wow florence Pugh had to do that in front of a room of people poor thing but i mean no not poor thing she's a professional it, she's yeah. a professional like an intimacy coordinator mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. all that yeah yeah um so yeah, I just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, now who sorry, is it? who sorry. is it this it time? The problem. Oh, it's me. Oh, the tables have turned. Table has scrunched, scrunched around and scrunched. Scrunched, she says. So I just I thought I remembered something from a road trip when I was younger that I thought would be in this movie. 
uh, this film. And according to the film, and if you go in blindly knowing nothing else, it's like, oh, we just got this land. There was no, no one was living here. And then. Same way we got America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, this, this is a great testing ground for, for Trinity. The site was in a desert region and they really focused on finding the right place. But the region's known as Jornada del Muerto. I know what muerto means. It's a uh, route of the dead. Mm. So they were like, maybe there aren't people, but there, that's not maybe true. Maybe there were people. Mm-hmm. So a ton of time and effort went into finding the perfect location geographically. But in reality, there's many people who called the area home. Several small towns near the site and thousands of people. Some had been there for generations since like 1541 because that was Mexico yeah, mm-hmm. for quite some time. And many were uh, people that are known as Hispanos. Uh, I don't like, I'm going to say it with the accent because I don't like saying Hispanos. Yeah. So I will be saying Hispanos, mm-hmm. uh, which is a New Mexican local term for people of Spanish and Mexican descent that live in the area. With an even longer history with the land, there's Native American communities. New Mexico is home to 19 Pueblo peoples, three Apache tribes, and part of the Navajo Nation, if not all, I believe most of it still sizable indigenous population with several pueblo communities and a mescalero apache reservation near the detonation site so they're still there today and it wasn't like the u.s military and oppenheimer himself uh didn't know these people were there they used the power of eminent domain Mm. Everyone's favorite thing, eminent domain. Mm -hmm. To seize the land from those living on it. For those of you who may not know or need a refresher on eminent domain, it is the right of the government to take control of private property for utilitary purposes with compensation. No necessary. Usually not great compensation compensation either. Mm Mm-hmm. There were several homesteads in the area still owned by the original families, so centuries to, you know, generations. They're turned into base camps and observation bunkers. So this land that was precious to these families are now base camp and observational bunkers. For the Manhattan Project. For Trinity, yes. For testing nuclear bombs. Yes. So the official word was that occupants were paid fairly. Then we start hearing the actual accounts. Some Hispano families said they were forced out of their homes at gunpoint. Those who received money got significantly less than their white neighbors. A ranch run by Anglo family was noted as they received $43 per acre, which is $950 an acre today. And Hispano families reported being paid as little as $7 an acre, mm-hmm. which is 150 today. Evictions that followed the compensation were swift and forceful. Many of them found themselves with nowhere to go and no possessions beyond what they could carry. And many were given 24 hours to leave before 
their farms were bulldozed and their livestock was executed. I don't ever understand the, like, unless, like, it's in a war and it's like, oh, we're going to kill all the livestock so they can't have it or mm-hmm. something. It's like, why? Just, like, transport it's just is too expensive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and it's probably, I don't know what the land is like. It might not have been, like, hundreds of anything. It might have been, like, you have five cows. Yeah. And that's not worth us rounding up 200 people's five cows. That's a lot of work. Yeah. And also you have to like assess the condition of those animals and are they slaughter? I bet it's way more complicated than what you think. And so if they kill it, they don't have to worry about it. They just leave it to the land and it's done. I would think that it's more if they kill it, they don't worry about it with this, but just because they were moving so fast that they were probably just like, get rid of it. They you can't, you can't take it with you a lot of the times. It's like, and they're not going to compensate you for the. Yeah. What are you going to do? Oregon Trail it in 1940? No. Like, mm. uh, July 16th, 1945, the world's first atomic bomb is detonated in New Mexico. And the surrounding communities had no idea what was going on. No one was warned about the test or potential dangers of radioactive material in the air. Many were woken up by an explosion and a light brighter and hotter than the sun. Light from the test could be seen from El Paso and Albuquerque. Whoa. So. Jesus Christ. Imagine. Yeah. Being close just to seeing it. that like that would wake you up. It's the loudest noise <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Uh, the weather was also bad and storm winds could disperse the radioactive material over a wide area. Enrico Fermi, an Italian, hello, physicist, warned Oppenheimer, and surprising no one, they went forward with the test anyway. So radioactive ash rained down on the nearby homes. Within 10 days, fallout had reached most parts of North America, including 46 U.S. states and parts of Canada and Mexico. Most people in New Mexico in the 1940s lived in rural communities. I said it. You did. You said it really good, too. You got too. it. Yeah. Good I'm job. I'm really proud of myself. In rural... Okay. Don't do it, it again. Don't push it. Don't push it. it. Up. <sighs> Communities. Many people lived in the Tularosa Basin near the Trinity test site. This would later be known as Downwinders. So folks that lived in the that bad basin... Place to be. Yeah. Later known as Downwinders. Yeah. The U.S. military had prioritized secrecy so much they did nothing while knowing some folks may need to be evacuated. Now all of these downwinders were living on contaminated land and didn't know it. Uh, The land at the test site was considered unsafe for a full 20 years after the detonation, but no official warnings were given, so some locals would even visit the Ground Zero and picnic there. They'd pick up pieces of the green radioactive glass left behind in the desert. They had no idea. Zero idea. Because again, we are. How would they know? Elevating secrecy over human lives. Many people in New Mexico were not informed even after the bombs were dropped in Japan. (laughs) How bad it was. Right. They didn't understand what was happening as they started to develop rare cancers and struggled to find the medical care they needed for multiple reasons. While maintaining secrecy, the military needed an American (coughs) fuckton of uranium. Uh, All were mined by the Navajo Nation. So Uh. all of the miners 
90% of the miners were of the Navajo Nation. The miners found themselves developing cancers they couldn't explain, which was followed by health care bills they couldn't afford. From the Manhattan Project until the 1990s, the U.S. relied on the Navajo for uranium. This was essential for both nuclear energy and weapons. Those in charge of the miners knew the dangers, so the higher-ups knew what was going on, but the workers were kept in the dark and given no warnings. Of course. Mm-hmm. No help was given to clean up the mining sites after they were shut down either. So disused uranium mines on Navajo land still contaminate Navajo Nation waterways with uranium, obviously, but also lead and arsenic. I told you it was a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Navajo people still show effects. There's high rates of health issues, cancer, kidney failure. Navajo Nation has received zero compensation and zero justice to this day. The Los Alamos National Laboratory, LANL, was one of the world's most famous institutions for studying nuclear physics, and it was established in 1943 for the Manhattan Project. So that was like the official name of the lab where everybody was doing their tests and putting things together there at Los Alamos. Uh, LANL acknowledges they owe much of their history and success to the Hispano people that, I said it, uh, hired for various jobs even while they were facing discrimination so their story is like we employed all these people and maybe they weren't necessarily fairly treated a hundred percent but we still employed them which is more than Mm -hmm. they yeah not mentioned by lanl that the Hispano people had been evicted with nowhere to go and were now working for the same people who evicted them Mm -hmm. disgusting they were employed under Oppenheimer to work with beryllium, a metal essential for creating nuclear reactors and manufacturing the plutonium that was used in the Trinity test, which was a ton, as I learned from mm-hmm. that film. Beryllium is also toxic. Jesus. Acute exposure causes dermatitis, pneumonia, pulmonary disease, and chronic exposure you're starting to see lung, liver, and kidney problems. White workers were provided PPE, protective equipment. Hispano men were not. Almost, if not all, Hispano men ended up dying of beryllosis. Bar- oh, it has its own name. <laughs> yes. Jesus. And I can say it. You did. You said it real good. Don't try to say rural again, though. I'm, I might. <laughs> Don't tempted. remember before the Manhattan Project, obviously, we did not know shit about fallout. Took no precautions, even with the little they did know. So they knew that there was likely going to be some weird They know it's shit. not good. Go- yeah, yeah. They, they know that there's you probably going to be a thing. And just with no science in your brain go, there's the things that happen after this is also probably bad. Yeah. Like, I think that's just reason. Yeah. And... and mm. Yeah, so they they still did nothing, and residents that were remaining and were not evicted were not evacuated either, and none of them, again, were warned about what is now covering their homes, which is this radioactive ash. It looks like snow Mm -hmm. just everywhere. (laughs) I can't imagine knowing nothing and having all of that. 
just happen. Just happen. Oh, you mm-hmm. think it's like, the end of the world? End of the wor- yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I'm assuming that there would be, if you're close enough, you know that the government is doing things because you're hearing about your neighbors and people in the community getting evicted. Like, I'm sure right. there's some context clues that something's going on. Possibly. So something happening probably would be surprising, but not unheard of. But then everything else associated with it, like the fact that there's like snowfall yeah essentially like yeah it's horrifying yeah i also think that communication would have been pretty difficult in a rural area where all of these communities are so far away from each other like if they're uprooting a community Mm -hmm. that community who knows where they end up they would still probably like have commerce with each other though but possibly but nonetheless it's not like the internet where i could get on next door and be like y'all getting yeah Mm y'all getting snowed on this crazy what is this fallout somebody stole my mailbox yeah Yeah. (laughs) They're, they're always gonna slip yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Not the kids; it was fireworks. <laughs> yeah, I still reported it to three one one. It's okay; they're on it. Ionizing radiation has the most severe effects on human cells, which are rapidly developing. So the worst damage is suffered during pregnancy and within children. Within months, the infant mortality rate soared by fifty six percent in the area, mostly caused by rare birth defects. Authorities were alerted and shared nothing. Mm. Cancer rates rose to alarming levels. A woman from the Tularosa Basin reported 285 people she knew dying from cancer since Trinity. I don't even know 285 people. Uh, no, but I would be like, oh, there's 40 people in my church. There's 50 people. Yeah, and they're all you gone. Know. Yeah. Beyond unusual forms of cancer, there's also heart disease, leukemia, and trouble accessing healthcare because it's far too expensive and also rural. Like they were having to go to El Paso. They're yeah. having to go to, and most right. of them probably south of the border, probably. Yeah. But like they barely have, if they do have transportation, it's not great. And that's a pretty long way to go if you're sick. Radioactive material caused damage to people's chromosomes as well. So this means long-lasting effects that are also passed down through family lines. And generations later, there's still high rates of cancer. Loida Martinez, quick little story about her. Uh, She was part of a family of displaced Hispano ranchers. She went to work at the Los Alamos National Laboratory. (laughs) Uh, Her father was one of the men who died of beryllium exposure, and so she had managed to achieve a higher rank within her department, and she was able to access some additional things. So she started looking for information on the men dying from beryllosis. She ended up filing, so the more she sees, the more she's like, okay, I can tie these things together, I can tie these things together. Oh, uh, all of them are dead, but not these white ones. That's cool to know. Mm -hmm. So she ends up filing a class action lawsuit against the lab and wins, which is shocking. And she filed a second class action lawsuit after that one. She's feeling pretty good about, uh, for the women that are receiving unfair pay. So she's like, Here's a second one. Oh, that worked? <laughs> Get this one in, too. S on this. Um, workers at the lab finally awarded $12 million based on these lawsuits in 2006. Jesus. So all, they're probably all dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if it's chromosomal, then there are children who are probably still affected by yeah. it. They're getting something. But, like, money's never going to... F- fix anything no it might get you closer to a hospital one also doesn't close down the program like it yeah so 
That was awarded to over 3,000 workers or families of workers. It was the largest lawsuit of its kind in New Mexico history. Since Trinity, there have been 1,054 nuclear bombs tested within the borders of the U.S. Wow. What I so 12, 12 million divided by 3,000 is $4,000 a person. Mm-hmm. Over 900 of those tested bombs have been detonated in Nevada. It's estimated that radioactivity from these explosions likely caused tens of thousands of throat cancers. Worst effects felt by the Native American communities as the military tested over and over on ancestral lands of the Shoshone, most bombed nation on Earth. The land is known as Nue Segobia, which means people's Earth Mother. (laughs) and They're just bombing the hell out of it. It was appropriated as bombing range in the 1940s, and in 1951, 100 Native American families were forcibly relocated. So they were still there for like mm-hmm. under a decade, but uh, enough time. In 19, uh, from 1951 to 1992, nuclear testing in this area was substantial. The effects on the Shoshone are frequently overlooked. The whole operation was also in violation of a peace treaty and the U.S. Constitution. The effects were so severe, it's described as, quote, a secret massacre of Shoshone people with radioactive poison. Gross. To date, people of New Mexico, particularly Hispano and Native American people, have not gotten an apology from any U.S. president, and we're at four generations at this point that have felt the effects The legacy of nuclear testing has been described by UN's Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights as one of the cruelest examples of environmental injustice witnessed. There have been, not only have these people been left with health health issues, but there's also the highest levels of poverty in the U.S. and the worst place nationwide for childhood poverty specifically. (laughs) Which obviously living in that kind of environment with that kind of trauma is driving the drug and alcohol use, Mm. which we've all probably been exposed to some stereotypes with that, that we've created. Like, what are we doing? Mm. New Mexico has the highest per capita death rate due to heroin overdose in America. Fun fact. Mm. U.S. passed Radiation Exposure Compensation Act of 1990. (laughs) which did little comfort for the downwinders because the act only covered Nevada. This left people of New Mexico with no real recourse. Like if you're in Nevada, you can use this act to, you know, help launch your, your needs. But New Mexico was just like, Hey, hi, hi. There's even been, oh, there's national downwinders day on January 27th. That's been going since, 2012 explicitly for people of nevada no mention of new mexico and in fairness nevada did have 900 of the 1054 yeah so but still i think maybe we cover all of our bases Mm -hmm. so an organ organization founded by cancer survivor tina cordova the tularosa basin downwinders consortium has spent years struggling for justice and recognition for what was done to their communities. Together with other groups like the Union of Concerned Scientists, such I, a cute name. I love it. 
I do too. Their aim is to simply raise awareness of everything they've had to endure. Many, this was written before the release of Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Many want Christopher Nolan's movie Oppenheimer to help shine some light on their situation in hopes they might receive the help they've needed for most of the past century. As scientists have pointed out, the human cost of Oppenheimer's Trinity test needs to be part of the conversation about nuclear arms. The harm done by the legacy of nuclear weapons is far greater than most people realize. I mean, the overall message, I think, is nuclear bombs are bad. And Oppenheimer? Yeah, and the U.S. But has it, racial preference. Yeah, but it definitely didn't address any of what oh, yeah. you're talking no. about. Well, maybe the, just that conversation coming up will be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody was asking me, my brother was asking me what story I was going to do today. And I was like, I'm going to be a little white nighty, but <laughs> it's important. Yeah. And like that was literally on my mind throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, like when are we going to talk about this? When yeah. are we going to talk about this? We're going right. to talk about this? Yeah. But the answer is no. The, yeah. But like you're saying, that's its own movie really like this was so focused on kind of how he got obsessed and then fucked over and then like this is more about him specifically rather than the whole incident yeah but i felt it was important it is important i agree same mine's not that deep good yeah we need that we need to yeah Climb back out of the hole. Climb, <laughs> climb, climb the, out of this hole. Be the ladder out of the. Uh, Let's jump in a new the hole. Basin. The hole that was created by okay. nuclear bombs. <clears throat> so we're gonna go to another um, mostly desert place in Australia. Oh, in the Australia. outback. In the outback. Um, and don't let this name jar you. But um, the Tromp family, T R O M P, family was a typical hardworking Australian family consisting of Mark Tromp, 51, and his wife, Jacoba, 53, um, who managed a properous red current farm and earth-moving business in Sylvan, which is outside of Melbourne. Alongside them were their three children, Rihanna, who's 29, Mitchell, who's 25, and Ella, who's 22, who also helped run the successful family business. On Monday, August 29th, 2016, the entire Tromp family inexplicably... God, why do I put words in here that I can't say out loud? They suddenly... Inexplicably. Inexplicably, yeah. um, Left their farm by piling into their silver Pugot 307. It was like a kind of like an SUV. Pugot. I always forget that other countries have different cars. Pugots are here. Blows my mind every time. I've never heard of a Pugot, but I believe you. I've seen it. Isn't it? Didn't they collab with Fiat at this point? I thought it was like Mm E-G-O-T. Yeah. I've seen it. Either way, car's not the important part. The whole family piles into this um, SUV and began an unusual journey heading north. It became evident to their friends and family that something was amiss when the Trump family couldn't be reached, causing great concern, and their worried loved ones alerted the police. Um, upon arriving to the family home, police were met with a strange scene. The house was in disarray as if the family had been frantically searching for something among the chaos, financial records and bank statements were found scattered through the house. Keys were found in the ignition of the other family members, cars, and the house was unlocked. 
What? The most puzzling aspect was the items that they left behind seemingly indicated a deliberate attempt to become untraceable. How many? Wait. They had multiple cars? Yeah, because it's like a family farm. Yeah. Yeah, but they all got into the SUV. And all the kids but were all like the in their 20s. Yeah, they were adults. Were, yeah, they and were adults. Okay. A couple of the cars had their keys in it. Basically, they looked like they left in a hurry. Um, and didn't know which car to take <laughs> yeah. until the very end. Yep. Um, passports, credit cards, and cell phones were abandoned, suggesting they wanted to avoid any electronic trails. And they embarked on a cash-only trip, further fueling the notion that they were fleeing from something. Not a lot is known on how or why the Trumps fled, but this is the timeline of their unexpected road trip. So Monday, August 29th, the family fled. 2016? 20, 2016. Okay. So seven years ago, almost exactly seven years ago. And the Trump family Trump, yeah. in 2016, you say? Ooh, I'd flee hmm. too. It's too close. Well, they're all the way in Australia too. Anyway, so the family fled their Sylvan home. Again, it's right outside of Melbourne um, and drove towards New South Wales. About 20 miles into the journey, the family discovered that Mitchell managed to sneak his mobile phone with him onto the trip, and he was made to throw it out a car window near Warburton, reportedly amid fears that they could be tracked. Mitchell would later state that he had gone along to ensure that they would all be safe, but that his parents became increasingly delusional and hard to tolerate. He said, quote, I've never seen anything like it. It's really hard to explain or put a word on a word on it, but they were just fearing for their lives and then they decided to flee, he said. Okay, so that's Monday the 29th. So Tuesday, August 30th, around 7 a.m., Mitchell, frustrated by his parents' paranoia, abandoned the trip near Bathurst, which is about 475 miles from Sylvan. And this was like two weeks into, because they left on the 16th. It's one day. Oh. Did I say 16th? I thought 29th, so. 2016. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'll see myself. It's okay. This is only one day. So one day into the trip, they drove all through the night um, in the day to get to Bathurst, which is when Mitchell was like, whatever's going on here, I don't want to be a part of it. So they were close enough to Sydney at that point that he could get on a train to Sydney to come back. I don't know how he did because he didn't have any money. He didn't have his cell phone. He didn't have his credit cards. He didn't have anything. A short time later, the rest of the family arrived in Janolan Caves, which is near the Blue Mountains, where the two sisters, Rihanna and Ella, who are 29 and 22 respectively, um, also decided to leave their parents' journey. They did this by stealing a car that they, they then drove back down south to Goulburn, where they reported their parents missing to the police. In Goulburn, Rihanna and Ella decided to part ways at a gas station because Ella wanted to get back home because she wanted to feed her horses because she Aww. was a horse, horse girl. girl. Yes. And she became the first Trump to be located because she is the first one who got back to the family farm mm-hmm. with a stolen mm-hmm. car on Tuesday night. At that point, the police were already there. And according to the Daily Telegraph. Why po- were they there? Because they had been, the, oh, the because family they had been reported, reported missing. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, According to the Daily Telegraph, police found evidence that the Tromps had gone through years of their family's financial records shortly before leaving. There were were several piles of documents throughout the home, including passports and credit cards, um, as mentioned before. An officer is quoted saying the piles were very ordered and they were clearly looking for something. Mm -hmm. So Rihanna Tromp, who was the one who didn't go in the stolen car, she didn't care about the horses, 
Um, she was found in the back of a man's truck an hour outside of Goldburn, which is where her and her sister went separate ways. He was driving and he felt a kick in the back of his car. So he pulled over and he quote, I turned around and saw two legs stretched out the back between my seat and the floor. She was lying on the floor and I got an extreme shock. He described Rihanna as being catatonic and she was unable to provide any information about who she was, where she came from, or any other personal details. Fuck yeah. that. That's weird. That's horrifying <laughs> on yeah. all accounts. Yes. Yeah, just a woman in the back of your car who can't communicate yeah. and do yeah. anything. Horrifying. So the police arrived, and Rihanna was taken to the Gallburn Hospital, where she was treated in a psych ward, ward for, st- for stress-related issues for several days. Okay. So that's Tuesday. That's two days into the trip. Three children have abandoned their parents. Their parents um, who I just, are still I, on the trip. Who are still I'm on the trip. All three of their kids are gone. Really fucked up at the idea that both parents are on the same trip. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So we're on Wednesday now. Wednesday, August 31st. Mitchell now becomes a second family member to get home. He got on like basically a red eye train mm-hmm. to get back. And he got in early Wednesday morning. This is the point that the case is starting to blow up in the media. So everyone in the area is on the lookout for the two parents, Mark and Jacoba. Um, A search of the interstates begins in hopes of finding the car. Um, And while the cops are searching around the area near Gentle and Caves, which is the last place that the kids could say that they Mm -hmm. knew their parents were, the parents, the couples, have now driven back towards Melbourne, arriving in Wangaratta. God, I said that probably wrong it doesn't matter nothing in australia is meant it's for fake. humans yeah, to no. say mm-hmm. um so that's over 350 miles back the direction that they came so they're basically pinging between melbourne and then right outside of sydney and then they all kind of make their way back going different directions back down south so at this point the parents split up and jacoba starts heading north again that night what? On, yeah on wednesday that night a young couple in the area experienced a frightening incident in which they were tailgated by a man in a silver station wagon mm-hmm. SUV. They were saying that they were so close that he they couldn't see their taillights behind them. The, the I'm sorry, the um, headlights behind them. They're so close to their tail. So like tailgating for sure. Yeah, and intentional. Drive, intentionally and driving erratically. And they were just trying to play Pokemon Go and drive at the same time. Very 2016. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when they pulled over, the driver of the SUV got out of the car, ran towards them, and then suddenly stopped in the middle of the road, stared at them intently, and then turned around and began walking into the nearby Marawa Park. They pulled over? Yeah. That's psychotic. I would. I don't know what I would do in that situation. But if you're in like the Outback, it's like, can we drive to get to a police station right now? Right. Or right. I have, you have enough gas in my to car? Gas to a, you've got to get be able to get to a gas station. A I, petrol I station. Guess. Or if they were that concerned that they didn't think that they were going to make. I don't know. I don't know how I would think in that situation. Anyway, so this man approaches them like he's going to do something, freezes and then turns tail and then just goes into like the forest park that's nearby. Um and he, they, he abandons the vehicle with the key still in the ignition. This was believed to be Mark Trump. Um, in an effort to track down Mark Trump, the police investigated um, the Miller's Cottage Motel, which is right next to that park area. And um, a room had apparently been broken into that same night, and they believed he might have stayed there 
for the night, but they couldn't find actual evidence mm. of that. Okay, so that's Wednesday. Now we're into Thursday. So day four. Day four, September first. Back at home, Ella and Mitchell make an emotional appearance on the news. They explain they were both baffled by their parents' strange behavior and made um, and tried to like, but you know, I talked to there's like dad come home kind yeah. of stuff, or if you see my parents, this is what they look like. Um, Mitchell said he's scared that people are after him. He's not in his, he's not in a good state of mind, which is like the least you can yeah, say, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, who Mark thought those quote people were, he could not say. Um, Mitchell couldn't provide specific explanation for his parents' paranoia, only that their quote extreme behavior shocked him and the rest of his siblings. Mrs. Trump then at this point took public transportation to Yass, Y-A-S-S, and tried to book a motel in the city. And allegedly a member of the public helped escort a very agitated Jacoba to the hos- a hospital in Yass. And the hospital staff recognized her from the news reports mm-hmm. and called the police. According to the Daily Telegraph, um, Sergeant Mark Knight of the New South Wales Police said doctors at the hospital assessed her and her mental state wasn't of a good standard. No shit. Um, she was taken to the hospital for evaluation and eventually reunited with Rihanna in the same hospital in Goulburn at the psych unit together. <laughs> and they both received me- mental health treatment there together. And they both stayed there for several days. Like yeah. they didn't just check them and send out there. They're there for a what while. What is going on with these people? That's also like c- cute that my mom, mom who put me in this state so. yeah. is also here now. Great. Yeah. That's not going to set Like me how back. do you do yeah. it if you're like kind of already out of it and you've gone through this dramatic event and you're like, I'm finally the psych where then your fucking mom walks in and you're like shit it's, the, it's gonna start again right yeah so now we're on saturday this is day five or six i guess because it says six days six days after the episode began the last family member mark tromp was found running beside a road near wangarata airport so he didn't get out of wangarata in that 24 hours since we last saw him tailgate the couple the playing pokemon, pokemon go um, he was questioned by police, assessed by a mental health officer, then released into the care of his police officer brother. Um, there's a picture of him, his brother driving him, because like the media were all over this mm. at this point. And it's very 2006 Britney Spears, where it's like a picture directly into the front of the car. Mm-hmm. And um, Mark has his face covered with his shirt and he's flicking off the camera. Got it. Yeah, it's <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, showing a middle finger to the photographers as he was driven away. He, he released a statement apologizing <laughs> for flicking off the <laughs> the media or whatever. I'm he, sweet. He was obviously not well. No. I guess okay. <laughs> he said um, he apologized for the hurt and concern caused by these events. He paid respect to the community resources devoted to finding his family as the public attempted to make sense of what happened. Police ultimately do not believe there was any real threat to the family. So the next day, Mitchell and Ella appeared again on the TV, thanking the police and the media for helping them find their family members. Um, they never went into detail about what happened and essentially state that they are still perplexed by the events considering that the family had no history of mental illness and also the fact that sergeant mark knight who worked on the investigation said there was no sign of family drug use um the family had no outstanding debts or financial trouble they were well off they had no connection to organized crime or and they were not involved with any type of fringe church or cult so there's literally no outside influence to cause them to act this way. What's their Google history look like? I'm sure they looked at it, right? Well, maybe, yeah, 2016 for sure. Okay, so so what happened? 
The family indicated there was a vague increase in stress at the family home. As Mitchell said in an interview, quote, it was a buildup of different normal everyday events, just pressure, and it slowly got worse as the days went by. One neighbor speculated on what that pressure could have been. Mark Chapman, a neighboring fourth-generation berry farmer who worked with the Tromps, said that they were performing a pretty large renovation on their country farmhouse home, and that could have been a trigger of stress for the family. He also described the stress of cranking up the farm by fertilizing and starting to irrigate as that was just starting to begin. Quote, as far as a farm goes, it's actually quite the time it's quiet this time of year, but now's when the pressure starts in the beginning of spring because it's when you're ramping up for the entire harvest, like grow and harvest season. Some speculate that the Trump family's odd behavior may have been influenced by chemicals used on the farm. However, media reports also suggest that the police are considering the possibility of a collective delusion akin to an episode of full ado which is a rare psychological condition primarily seen in close-knit families or couples. Uh, the term fall adieu originates from the 19th century French case where a couple exhibited paranoid and delusional behavior. Medical experts couldn't determine which of them became psychotic first, and they noticed a troubling pattern of reinforcing each other's delusions. You yes and each right. other into a delusion. Yes. Yeah, the bit goes too far. So despite various speculations, the exact reasons behind the Tromps family's highly publicized meltdown might not fully ever be understood. Ella was initially charged with the theft of a motor vehicle, but the charges were eventually withdrawn by the person whose car was stolen. They were like, you were going through it. Don't worry about it. I got my car back. Um, No additional investigation was made, and the police now consider the matter to be solely a family affair. The Trump family has chosen to remain silent regarding the incident, refraining from any public statements or explanations about the events that unfolded the week of August 2016. Their perplexing decision to embark on a nearly thousand-mile journey to escape an undisclosed antagonist still remains shrouded in mystery, as they have not shared any details about the circumstances that led to their sudden departure. What? Yep. You're leaving us like that. That's it. Something had to happen. Like, I get the... I think about this. Fully so if I, I came to you, if I came to you and I said, Whitney, there is somebody who's trying to kill us right. and we need to leave right now. And you cannot bring your phone with you and you cannot bring, I have a thousand dollars worth of cash and we have to fucking go. I would go. I would go. I would go. And either because one, I talked about this with Brandon is like one, I'll believe you and we'll go. And then during this course of me talking to you, I need to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. Two, I don't want you to go by yourself. Right. Because that's how you go missing and you die. Right. Three, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and this is great. Like this and that was six days. They got a week off. Maybe yeah. As you realize that, oh, Whitney's being crazy. Which is like the children kind of like yeah, slowly you're like, were like oh, no no. But I also don't want my parents to get in trouble. Well, like, I'm I, not going to come out and say something. No, like, if we were at Mom and Spencer's house and they were, like, we got both of them, like, we got to go, we got to get in the SUV right now, or the the Suburban and mm-hmm. go, we would go. I don't know at what point I would abandon them, though. I think it would take a lot for me to be, like, I would need to feel like I was in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Same. what I was thinking. It's, like, 
they had to feel like they were in danger because I'm going to try to talk them down. Maybe, yeah, like, well, maybe they just felt the realization comes when it's like, well, where, where are we even going? Yeah. What is this Who plan? is after us? Yeah. Like, yes, I'll go with you initially mm. because this seems urgent and dire and scary. But you're, you're going to have yeah. to fill and me it's in. Like, yeah. You got to tell me the details and then there aren't any details and then there is no destination. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, how long am I going to be with you on this journey to nowhere? I'm very surprised that the sisters split up. Like that I would be surprising. even less yeah. inclined to do that. Yeah. But I could also see one of them being like, I never want to go to that house again. Or they hate each other. You go feed the yeah. horses. I don't give yeah. a shit. I'm seven years different. Well, than considering you. the one that got left behind was the older one, the 29 year. And she yeah. was in a catatonic state. So what state did Ella yeah. leave her sister? Yeah. in? I couldn't. And I, again, and I have no, there's, why? they do not talk about it at all. Why were they so, so the twenty? Up? Well, the 22 year old was being a 22 year so old. Far. That's like, I don't know how to deal with this. Right. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Or maybe she went and climbed in that guy's truck. She couldn't find her. Maybe. I I mean, that's the thing we don't know. Like, obviously, there's the same narrative in every single story. So there is some information about how this unfolded. But there's no, like, well, Ella and Rihanna talked about this. And this is, there's Mm -hmm. none of that. The last time that I ever saw them do, like, an interview or anything in person was, like, six months, eight months after the fact. And it was when the charges against Ella stealing the car were dropped dropped, and they're like hey we're just really glad that our lives can get back to normal now and there's just like there's like nothing no news articles there's a lot of like reddit and yeah you know and now they're the weirdos in town yeah for sure oh god i bet i wonder how good their red currants are that's yeah like can i try one i'm not i don't eat a ton of currants well you can't get red currants in the united states they're illegal really mm-hmm. why something about the type of they make you crazy maybe it's like the the type of disease that they can have can kill other current trees i feel like we talked about this on this podcast hmm. like briefly about something else yeah so we there's not there's only like black currants in the united states hmm. because they like compete but anyway, I mean, they, so they, they don't did. want it to come in and be invasive or something. Yeah. Probably. And there is the other theories of like, was the chemicals that they were using, blah, blah, blah. They get poisoned by that. And they didn't, they investigated that a little bit and they didn't seem to find anything. There's also the traditional ergot poisoning, which is you eat bad bread and you go crazy. That's how the Salem witch trials happened. Um, what, what, supposedly. Were the, what were the piles of their documents? Like how were they organized? Well, part of it says that there was stuff everywhere, but then the, things coming directly from the police was like they had pulled out all right. of their their like paperwork to like shuffle through mm-hmm, it yeah. which is strange because it's not like you know we'd have to pull out paperwork to find like our social security cards and mm-hmm. stuff at mom's house even though she's pretty well organized but um yeah like why do you need your 2013 bank right. statements in order to like run away so and that's the big mystery is like they've i'm sure they've been reached out to interview and they just don't interview the police have no reason to share any of that information either especially because there was no crime committed or anything so except for the car getting stolen which was again resolved and it's not illegal for a family to go on a weird fucking road trip be weirdos yeah so yeah it's a it's a mystery that's kind of non-consequential because nobody died it's just kind of weird well, it's weird that they're all alive and well and won't yeah. talk about it. Well, how do you have that relationship with your parents moving? I hope they all went to therapy. I hope they they're all, farm people, though. Yeah, you don't know. Left the farm. 
Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't live with my parents after that. But or would I? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Or would you stay well, because you were concerned yeah. that they would do it? And again. what's that family dynamic like before? Like they are like yeah. they're country people. They're close knit. They're all adults that still lived at home because they worked the farm together. One mm-hmm. of the stressing factors that the neighbor had also mentioned that during this time frame of like ramping up, you're working seven days a week to get everything yeah. going. So it very much is that dad loses it convinces mom to lose it too and the kids even though they're adults they go well, i'm gonna believe my parents yeah but they're also old enough to at a certain point they all went no Mm-mm. no yeah hmm. like this something's the matter and i cannot be here to experience this that's the big thing for me is like at what why would you abandon your parents something had to have happened that they're like my safety is at risk mm-hmm. yeah right and I don't, I, at this point, I can't why be concerned about it. Why was she catatonic? Yeah. Why did the sisters, like, separate? Yeah. I bet One the, of them's going to talk. It hasn't been that long. I bet once one of the parents dies or something like that, probably someone's it. talking. But, yeah. Somebody's talking. Yeah. And then, like, how I'm just embarrassing forever after that point, right? Yeah. Forever embarrassed. I have I to assume away. that some of the neighbors know more. Like, you know, they still invite them over for Sunday dinner every once in a while, and... Are Maybe they have a couple cocktails and something's gotten said. Like, I need to know. Or I wonder, it's like, were they like the weirdos who live next to yeah, us? Yeah, like, are they... Everyone's seen, like, there was a couple of interviews with neighbors and they're like, they're just hardworking farm people like the rest of us. Are any of the kids dating or married or anything? I don't like, know. I didn't say. Now I'm I weirded out. I think they though. are. I think one of the kids is, because I looked up Trump family because I wanted to see what they, they look, look like. like. They're normals. And there's a bunch of pictures like of Instagram. this couple mm-hmm. but i wonder if no that's a brother, brother and sister, sister. yeah because they okay. did do a couple of interviews in the first couple of days um but yeah the fact that there's just there's no updates because there's nothing to update you yeah. know there's like it's it you're was not just solving weird. for anything except for being nosy at yeah. this point right yep which i am i know that's why we have this whole entire fucking podcast <laughs> who knows man they do the kids they know. do and we'll find i bet we'll find it'll out come out day. Maybe yeah sharna knows them yeah let's text sharna i will mm-hmm. well good stories of rebuttal good good job everybody good job good job that's so, it that's it sweet good job bye bye let's get in a car yeah let's go on a someone's trip. chasing us we have to leave now all right okay bye bye Warburton. Bur- war